Hi, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host and the owner of the Blog Cabin. Let me give you a little backstory about today's guest. When I first started working inside the Blog Cabin, as you know, it's a storage shed that we repurposed and made into my office. It was down to like the studs when we first got it. So before we had put the insulation in and the walls up, I and the ceiling and the insulation in the ceiling and the, the ceiling tiles up on the ceiling. I asked people that I admired, friends and family, to write a note of encouragement to come by and write a note of encouragement in, in the walls. So it's embedded in the walls. Well, there were some friends and family who lived far away, so they sent me letters and I embedded those in the wall. But one day I decided that I wanted this one person who's really like made me step out of my comfort zone. It was a big deal for me to interview him on the blog to ask them if he would um, write a note and just send it to me. And he actually did. So he's one of the only men besides the, the men in my family to have a note embedded. And his is embedded in the ceiling of the log cabin, which you'll find out in the interview. So today I'm very happy that I'm being joined by Austin Deleuze. He's a former soccer player, MLS, NASL, and USL player. We discuss Pride Month and the foundation called Playing for Pride and what it's doing to help raise awareness for the LGBTQ community. Find out the why behind Playing for Pride and how you can get involved. I hope you enjoy it. And remember, start listening. Another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today I'm joined by, I'm very actually very honored that Austin agreed to join me today because he's one of those soccer players. If you followed my blog, you know he's the one that I followed all the time. Even though he's retired now, I still follow him. And he has such a great organization that he founded called Playing for Pride. So before we get into that, Austin, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Hi. Um, like Melissa said, I'm Austin Deleuze. Um, Grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, been a professional soccer player for the last 10 years. Uh, spent the letter, better, past, better part of the last eight years uh, playing here in Raleigh for the Carolina Railhawks and uh, now North Carolina FC. Um, yeah, and just retired at the end of this past season. Uh, so trying to uh, navigate that transition into the real world um yeah that's about that's about it that's me yeah so tell us about your organization playing for pride and how it's helping with the lgbtq community i had to write it down because i always leave out one letter and i didn't want to leave out a letter that's okay um yeah so 
I started playing for Pride uh, a few years back, um, kind of in response to the controversy surrounding HB2 or House Bill 2, um, which was some, you know, discriminatory legislation that uh, then Governor Pat McCrory passed uh, and, and really sort of put North Carolina in the center of this, you know, controversy surrounding the bill and uh, in my opinion, cast North Carolina in a very negative light. And, and uh, as somebody who, who grew up here in North Carolina and I'm very proud of, of uh, being from here, I just wanted to find a, a tangible way to push back against that perception. Um, so I decided to sort of combine one thing I know very well, which is playing soccer with uh, something that I didn't know much about at the time, which was fundraising. Um, and just on a, a bit of a whim, uh, started this campaign where, you know, uh, professional soccer players would donate a certain amount of money, um, for every game that they play, for every goal that they score, for every assist that they make, um, that kind of thing. So every, every game they're donating money and asking fans and supporters, uh, to match those donations, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how we got the ball rolling. And, and our first year was, was fairly successful. Um, we mobilized uh, around 40 professional soccer players from all over the world uh, to participate and, and ended up raising around $14,000 uh, for the human rights campaign, which is a big, big uh, LGBTQ advocacy organization, um, very recognizable organization across the country. Uh, and after that first year um, is when things really took off. And, and uh, I actually partnered with an organization called Athlete Ally, um, who's an established nonprofit that sort of works at the intersection of uh, LGBTQ rights and sports. Um, they work specifically to try to make sports more inclusive for LGBTQ people. Um, so it was really a, a perfect partner for me. Uh, and yeah, like I said, things just took off from there. Uh, we had participation kind of skyrocket and, um, in 2017, uh, or in 2018 and 2019, we had, uh, around 125 players participate. Um, and in total over the course of those two campaigns, we raised about, uh, $48,000, wow. um, for athlete ally. Uh, so yeah, it's been really successful, mostly due to, the participation of my fellow athletes and the support that I've gotten from the soccer community, um, not just in, you know, financial donations, but in creating awareness and, and uh, having people just speak out in support of the LGBTQ community is something that I'm really proud of. Um, so when did you originally start this program? What year? Uh, so the first year of the campaign was 2017. Um, so the, the law HB2 passed uh, in 2016, and, and like I said, it sort of started this cycle of negativity uh, that was kind of focused on North Carolina, um, and, and, you know, the law did eventually get repealed, um, but I still felt that it was important to, again, try to, you know, make a tangible, uh, create some tam tangible impact um, surrounding this issue, and, and specifically in, in soccer and in sports where, you know, the masculinity, hyper-masculinity and, and all that stuff can create, a you know, environments that are not always welcoming for, for LGBTQ people. So, um, yeah, I started in 2017 and, and, like I said, kind of took off from there. So how has COVID-19 caused it to pivot a little bit? It's been interesting. I think like uh, a lot of 
things we've had to adapt. Um, so with no, uh, no sports being played at the moment, um, we've kind of asked players to, you know, get creative and find ways to continue to, you know, send that message of acceptance and inclusivity, um, despite not being on the field. So we have a lot of players speaking out, posting on social media, still declaring support for the, uh, for the LGBTQ community. Um, and in terms of fundraising, you know, people again have gotten creative. They're, they're, you know, doing auctions, uh, auctioning off jerseys and stuff like that and asking people to <clears throat> donate for a chance to win those jerseys. Um, but yeah, I think you know there's there's a larger conversation happening right now around racial ju- uh, justice mm-hmm. and and so you know we w- wanted to recognize the importance of that conversation and that it is sort of taking precedent at the moment. So fifty uh, percent of everything that we raise with playing for Pride will go to the Audrey Lord Project, uh, which is an organization out of New York City that works specifically with um, people of color in the LGBTQ community. Um, so I think that intersectional nature of of racial justice is so important to recognize at the moment. So, our, you know, asking a lot of our players to speak out about that um, has been really important as well. Yeah, because you're a very strong advocate about human rights, period, regardless, especially if anybody follows you on Twitter. You can see you're very active on Twitter <laughs> and how you use your social media for good. And that's you don't see a lot of that nowadays with a lot of people. Yeah, I think we're seeing it a little bit more. I think people are starting to understand the power that they have um, in using their voice, uh, especially uh, professional athletes, I think, are so uniquely positioned to speak to people from all across the, the political spectrum um, in a way that not many people in, in American life are. Um, and I think more and more athletes are accepting that responsibility and using it to put forth uh, powerful messages of, of unity, um, but not, not just of unity, of justice and making sure that we attack these issues in a very specific way. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge where we've been and what, why these issues are still so prevalent in our society. Um, and, you know, instead of just sort of sending that message of unity, which is important. And I think, you know, we all are in this together to a certain extent, but um, I think a lot of people do have a tendency to want to sort of skip to the end, right. And skip to the Mm -hmm. hug and skip to the feel good parts without actually doing the work of acknowledging why we are uh, where we are. Uh, So, like I said, I think more and more people and more and more athletes are, are recognizing the power that they have and, and the need for their voices in this conversation. Have you always been like this growing up or did you, it's something that you recently come into? Uh, no, I don't think I was um, always like this. Um, I think it's something that uh, gradually over time, the more I learned, um, the more educated I became about it, the, the more difficult it was to, to stay quiet. Um, and I think that's the case with most pe- most people, you know, I think people that don't want to acknowledge uh, the issues and don't want to take a, a strong, hard look in the mirror about the part that they play in these issues um, are the ones that, you know, are more likely to stay silent. Um, but I found and I think a lot of people are finding right now that the more that you delve into them and the more that you learn, um, it's very hard not to speak up about them. So I, I think for me, my journey uh, in, in social justice 
started um, with the Ferguson riots. Uh, I, I remember sitting up and watching those and, and just being blown away um, that that was the country that we were living in. And, and looking back at that now, I think it was very naive of me to even be shocked at that point because these are issues that people have been facing for so long. Um, so yeah, that was when I think my journey started a little bit in terms of educating myself and continuing to, to dig deeper into these issues, both, you know, surrounding racial justice and justice for the LGBTQ community, whatever it is, I think that's kind of where it started for me. And, and, um, yeah, I think right now, again, we're seeing so many people, uh, have that same experience, right. That maybe they haven't had in the past where they're seeing these, you know, uh, this movement. Uh, really take hold and and it's waking a lot of people up and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I know um, the last couple of lives I've done, I did a panel with women on race and I had a women of all nationality and all ethnicities. And then I had did a panel with men on race and that's when Julius was on, one of your former players. So I got yes, to give a shout Julius. out. Yeah. Julius said he loved you too, by the way. When I texted him and told him, I said, hey, you know, <laughs> Austin's going to be on as well. He's like, oh, good. But, you know, for you to use your platform, did you get any pushback at all? I know you had to have gotten some pushback from it. Yeah, I think not, not as much as you would think. Um, I think there's all when you when you put yourself out there on social media, I think you can always expect expect a level of pushback and and negativity to come. Um, but I, I don't think I ever got anything that really felt substantial or meaningful in the way of pushback it always sort of felt like it was coming from you know trolls that sort of spend most of their time doing that kind of thing so for the most part i try to ignore it and i i only ever really engage with with negative feedback or pushback when i feel like i can make a larger point using that negative feedback um you know i think you could spend all day or all your life uh, engaging with that type of stuff on social media and never really get anywhere. I think, um, it's, it's very difficult when you start to get wrapped up in, in that type of stuff. So the only time I ever really acknowledge, uh, the negative feedback is when I feel like I can use it to, to teach and to, to make a, a broader point about the issues that are, are being, uh, discussed. Now, one of the questions I had on the, the male race panel was, how do you talk to people that are like ignorant, that don't want to hear your point? What do you say? Because those are kind of like the trolls, right? Yeah, I think for me, honestly, I don't. I don't try to, to reach those people. Um, you know, if people aren't approaching the conversation in good faith um, with, with a clear desire to actually engage and have a two-way conversation, um, uh, I don't, I don't waste time or energy, uh, engaging with people like that. I think that's how you drive yourself crazy. Um, <laughs> and I, I think, you know, like I said, there's just so much of that out there on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, wherever you spend your time, that if you do begin to, to try to answer every single one of those, um, yeah, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And, you should save your time and energy for the people that, that you feel like maybe you really can move. Um, you know, you really, if you feel like you have an opportunity to change hearts and minds, then by all means put, put forth your energy uh, into those types of conversations. But yeah, as far as people who have no real interest in, in engaging or, or having a conversation um, I would, I would just hit the, hit the block and, and move on with your day. 
Has there ever been a conversation that's just stuck in your mind where someone has an aha moment as they're talking to you when they're realizing that you had a point and that your point is right? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think not that I can recall because I think that people are very reticent to admit those aha moments. Um, I would hope that people have had them in response to playing for pride and in response to so many players speaking out. But um, yeah, I don't think yeah, I've ever had anyone say like, Oh, you know what? You're actually right. And my viewpoint has changed like in the moment. I think that's very rare. Um, I think it, it's a gradual process for a lot of people. I think people, like I said, th the more that you learn and the more that you take in, that's kind of how that process happens. It's, it's, it's never really like a, like a one moment, like, Oh my gosh, I've been so dumb. <laughs> you know, people yeah. People don't naturally uh, do that. So I, I think that, that the work that we've done uh, over time has absolutely made a difference. Um, I, I have no doubt about that. Is there a reason behind the reason why you went to support the LGBTQ community or was it just something you picked or? Yeah, so I think, uh, again, the, the negativity that HB2 created um, in our state was, it just struck such a personal chord with me being being from here and uh my older brother is a gay man um so that was obviously something that that was very personal to me um yeah i think i just i felt uh, a certain level of comfortability talking about these issues and i know that not everyone does um so i wanted to use that comfortability that i have talking about them again to try to create a little bit of change right so people i think are more effective when they're comfortable talking about um, whatever issues they're attacking. Um, and this was just something that I had had a little bit of experience learning about and, and speaking about. So I just wanted to take that a little bit further. So to kind of throw a little bit more support your brother's way to show that you're totally 100% behind him even more so, right? Yeah. And I don't, that's not, I don't think that's something he ever doubted. And yeah. I think, I've always been hesitant to to use that as justification for starting the campaign because I don't think that's what it should take for for people mm -hmm. to get involved. Um, you shouldn't have to. It shouldn't have to feel that personal, right? You, you should want to, you know, better humanity and get involved and and create impact, um, whether or not you have family members that are affected by these things. Um, so I, I don't want to lay it all at, at the feet of my older brother. Um, I would like to think that uh, I would have, you know, done this otherwise. You just kind of had a more of an insight of how to go about to do it. So maybe he played a part in, and just your plan to do it, not you actually doing it, but like the, the way devising the plan to get so that you could reach everybody. You think yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, it was, my relationship with him was valuable in that I saw his journey up close. Right. And I, I had a good understanding of what members of the LGBTQ community go through in dealing with hiding their identity and, and, you know, living their lives, um, you know, behind this veil of, of whatever society deems acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in that sense, it was, it was, it was good for me to see that and good for me to know those things. And it made it easier for me to, to advocate. Um, but yeah, again, I don't, I don't think anybody needs that personal of a connection to, to create impact. That's true. But a lot of people think 
what why should we care about them they're going against god's law and actually the bible says to love everybody so i just i just for me coming from a teacher point of view i would see the kids who had same-sex parents come in and they would be torn apart the kids would because they had two moms or two dads and it would just tear my heart up because you know they couldn't they can't help it you know that they have parents the same sex it's just like if my girls can't help it that their dad's mexican and their mom's white why take it out on the kids you know and so i feel like that's my platform is to use that and i actually wrote a blog post about you a while back when you first started playing for pride and you actually interviewed with me for that and you interviewed me for several other things too but you know and i appreciate you doing that being willing to talk about it because that's how i learn as well because when we have these necessary sometimes they're uncomfortable conversations but they're necessary conversations to learn so what would you say to people right now about that yeah i think you know the the Christian angle comes up a lot. I think people often feel uh, torn by their faith uh, when it comes to these issues. They feel like maybe they're going against God or, or whatever it may be. Um, and I always come back to a quote from from the Reverend Dr. William Barber, who's, who's been a, a very strong progressive voice here in North Carolina for a long time and, and been heavily involved in the church, obviously. Um, and what he always says in response to people who who or people who claim to be Christians and who attack the LGBTQ community, he, he always says they're saying so much about what God says so little and so little about what God says so much. Um, and that always just rung very true to me. Uh, I'm not a, a religious person. I'm not, you know, steeped in, in the education that uh, a lot of Christians are um, throughout their upbringing. But fr from what I do understand is God loves everyone. Um, and so that's the message that I try to to convey whenever I get into these types of conversations, and and hopefully, uh, you know, people will do their own homework and and come to the same conclusion. Again, you can't force anybody into these types of things. You just have mm -hmm. to keep doing the work and keep doing the work and hope that progress is made. Um, but yeah, that quote is just something I've always come back to. It's you know, when people want to point to scripture and point to certain quotes or whatever, this and that, it's just. I like to say, you know, take a step back and, and what is the message? What is the message that you're getting? And what is the message that you want to put forth to the world? Um, so it's hard. Those aren't always com comfortable conversations to have, right? It's, it's not stuff that people like to talk about all the time. It's people don't like to be challenged um, on their views or on their beliefs. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if you're not challenging yourself, um, then you're sitting in a place of comfort and privilege. And, and I think that's how these problems are perpetuated when people don't challenge their own beliefs and mm -hmm. don't look in the mirror and see how their own beliefs are affecting other people. That's true. And actually Reverend Barber's church is just right down the road from my house. It's like maybe three or four miles down from my house. So he's from Goldsboro. So yeah, he's incredible. He was, he was a huge inspiration for playing for pride. I think his his activism, um, the Moral Monday movement that he created over the last few years um, was hugely influ influential on me. Um, so he's he's just somebody that I look up to immensely. He actually it just did a special with Oprah. Yeah, I saw it. I, yeah, like, man, I haven't actually sat down and watched it yet, but I was like, man, he's on with Oprah. Man, he's going places. Yeah, I think anybody anybody who's looking to 
sort of begin their journey in educating themselves about these issues of, of racial justice and social justice, I would highly recommend just just get on YouTube and watch him speak. Um, I think it will truly move you. It will change you. Um, I think that's a great place to start for, for a lot of people. I know that his church actually brought um, Mayor Pete and Bernie Sanders both into Goldsboro to speak at his church about poverty. So. Yeah, that's great. It's great. And I think the thing that I love most about the Reverend uh, is that when he does bring people in like that, um, he he doesn't he doesn't throw them softballs. You know, he's there to challenge people and to make sure that, you know, our elected officials are being held accountable and, and are moving in a progressive way. Um, so, it, again, he he's not one for comfortable conversations. He's constantly challenging people. He's constantly challenging people's ideas of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a black man, what it means to be an ally, progressive, all of these things. He's constantly challenging people to, to just be better. Do you think you'll run for political office one day or do you know? (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I don't, I can't even look that far down the road. Um, Coming, coming out of a 10 year career and trying to navigate, uh, that transition in the midst of a global health and economic crisis has been uh, difficult enough. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm ready to commit to any any uh, public office. Okay, I do have a kind of question. I heard you were stopped on the streets of what was it, Kerry, one day by your husband. Yeah. <laughs> no. So yeah, it was in Raleigh. It was actually right right uh, right around the corner from where I live. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see him. It had been it had been a while. Yeah, he cracked me up. He's like, I saw him walking his dog, and I turned my truck around to go talk to him. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it, t- it took me a second to recognize him. I had to, like it clicked into place, and I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> but it was awesome to see him. It was literally he like literally turned around just to talk to you because he was supposed yeah, to be it was great. the other way. So yeah, we had a nice little chat. We were. Um, like I said, it's great to see him. It's it's hard. Uh, I think when you retire, one of the things that maybe that doesn't cross your mind right away is is that you're not going to see a lot of the fans and supporters that you've created connections with over the years. Um, so anytime I get to see you know people like your husband or anybody, any supporters out in the community, it's so cool because uh, that's just not a, you know it's hard to maintain that connection once once the the ball stops rolling. Now, that's so true. And I will say that you're the only one other than the male members of my family that have the privilege of having part of this blog cabin. <laughs> you're actually the only one in the ceiling, too, Austin. I, I'm I, honored. I um, actually had people write messages. Some people actually came down and wrote messages in the in the wall to kind of positive messages to give off positive vibes. And I asked Austin to write a letter and he actually sent it to me, which I was I was really shocked that you actually agreed to it, but then I shouldn't have been shocked. But um, my husband had already closed up the walls when I got it. So I was like, okay, he's going in the ceiling. So you're in the ceiling right by the door. So when I walk in, you're right there. Awesome. Yeah. I'm honored. And I'm, I'm so happy that you've uh, to watch your blog grow over the years has been such an incredible thing. Um, It's awesome. And actually you were actually the first one that I actually stepped out of my comfort zone to ask to interview because you were the one, like I, like I said in the very beginning when I sh- showed the pictures, like back in 2000, what, 2011, 2012, was like you were on yeah. the pylines warming up. 
I think it's because my mother-in-law's name is Maria de la Luz. So I think that's uh, where yes. the connection got me. Cause I was like, Oh, he's Hispanic. Let me start watching him. Yeah. play." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we always had the Mexican connection. Yep. And so from that point on watching you and then actually when you came back, I think it was when you came back from Orlando, I asked you if you would, if I could interview you, you were like, absolutely. And it was like course of emails back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Cause every time you would say something, I would ask you a question back. So I really appreciate you for doing that for me actually. No, it's uh, it's my pleasure. Obviously it's something I love doing. And I think, like I said, and, and like, you know, having, you know, these types of conversations is so important. Um, and, and, you know, I keep referencing it, but I think people are starting to realize that more and more now that we need to we need to step outside of our comfort zones and we need to attack topics that maybe we we haven't uh, delved into before. Um, so I'm always happy to talk. I'm always happy to talk about anything. Uh, I'm not a, not a shy person, uh, as you alluded to. Yeah. It, I I don't hold back on on social media. Um, but yeah, it's it's always a pleasure. So I, I really appreciate you just giving me the opportunity. I appreciate you coming on. Now, what's up next for you? Because I know you got some big stuff coming up, don't you? <laughs> I do. Yes. I've been putting together uh, baby items over the last couple months. So I'm very, I'm very handy at the moment. Um, we have a little one arriving uh, in a, approximately eight weeks. Well, who knows? Who knows when he will actually make his appearance? Um, but yeah, real life, real life has begun. Soccer, the soccer dream has has ended and we're moving on to another another dream, fatherhood dream. And that's just when it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. It's a blessing <laughs> when they're little, but then when someone hurts them or they're sick and you can't help them, that's a curse. But when they hit teenagers, well, at least you'll have a boy, so it won't be that bad. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, three girls, and I had two of them teenagers at the same time. <sighs> I would never do that again. <laughs> that's that's brutal. That's a grind. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. My wife is very excited, and yeah, I'm just uh, I'm not sure. People keep asking me if I'm ready, and I, my answer is always absolutely not. I think it's very difficult to be ready for something like this, but I'm I'm also uh, confident in our ability to to figure it out figure it out uh, as we go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys both have great mo role models with your parents and her parents. Am I correct? You are correct. Yes, both our parents have been together for uh, upwards of of thirty years. So uh, we've got about as good a set of role models as as you could ask for. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It's we're we're happy to have our families close as well. Uh, my family's in Winston Salem, and my wife's family's here in Raleigh. So we've got a really good support system. So what's up with you on the job market, though? Because you said trying to navigate that at the beginning when you introduced yourself. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, a, a learning experience for sure. Um, I you know as soon as I retired, I was I was very uh, perhaps too casual about the whole thing. I thought I would take a couple months to just decompress and and uh, and then start looking and find something that I was really interested in. And, and um, that everything got turned upside down when when uh, the virus started. Um, so yeah, it's been crazy. I've been in a lot of interview processes that have sort of abruptly ended because of the virus. And <clears throat> obviously now the job market is, is flooded with people that uh, are also looking for jobs that are much, much more experienced than I am. 
Um, but having said all that, I got very lucky and, and uh, accepted a job this past week um, at a software company here in Raleigh. So I'll be doing that for the time being and, and pumped to do that and pumped to learn as much as I can. And, and like I said, start this new new journey. Now, when the, it's USL now, right? Am I correct? Yes. yes. I, I they, they change all over the place. Um, when they go back, will you still be doing the broadcast for the NCFC? I hope so. That's the plan. Uh, I haven't been told otherwise. I know that they're still working out the schedule. Um, there's tentative plans to come back. Uh, I believe July 11th was the date that the league set. Um, and the league just agreed with the players on um, a sort of return to play agreement. Um, so, yeah, as far as I know, I'll be back in the booth with with Dean Linky and and uh, really excited to sort of stay involved with the game that way. And, uh, yeah, if, if I didn't have that, I would be a little bit more upset about about walking away. I, I think it's, you know, being involved in broadcast has been a really good way for me to to maintain that connection with the club and with the community. What did it mean to you to walk away from it? What made you finally decide to walk away from it? Um, I, I don't think there's, you know, one thing I can point to. I think it was, uh, it just felt like it was time. Um, it had been 10 years. Uh, it's difficult on the body. It's difficult on the mind. Um, travel became a little bit more of a grind. Um, yeah, I think I was just really looking forward to, again, getting this next phase of my life started, starting a family, um, being around on weekends for various uh, family events. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just a combination of a lot of different things and ultimately just led to a gut feeling that it was it was a good time to step away. I know. I honestly, that <clears throat> last season when you played, I didn't attend any games, but I made sure I even had sponsorship to attend your last game. I'm like, I ain't going <laughs> to be there. And then it, it, they took forever. And I'm like, oh, man, is, is he going to come over? Is he going to? Because I said, I got it. This all depends on a picture depends on this whole article. And I'm like, oh, man, it was like when my, I read about Omar Bravo coming and I read about motor oil and I turned it into an NCFC. Was it NCFC <laughs> at the time? Or was it uh, I think it was still Railhawks at the time when when Omar came um, and turned it into how the car, the oil in the car took us to do special moments like that to for my husband uh, yeah. to go see a Chiva player, you know. And so but I didn't <laughs> think we were ever get that picture either. So I'm like, why do I put myself into where I need a picture for a, for an article, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that last game it was uh, it was very emotional, and I I did I wanted to get to every single person that that had stayed and and wanted to spend time with me. I wanted to make sure that again people feel that connection and people know how much how grateful I I am for for all the support over the years. So if I took a little bit too long, I'm sorry, but I'm glad that we we did eventually get our our picture and our moment. Yeah, I honestly though I was you're still my favorite. I've actually kind of won some of the girls over on you, but there's still one holdout. Can you guess which one's the holdout? <laughs> uh, someday I'll win her over. Someday. <laughs> well, you quit playing now, so how are you going to win her over that time? I don't know. I'll have to figure it out. I'll figure something out. Can you guess which one it is, though? I can't. I thought I, I thought they all liked me. There's but... one that hasn't quite won you over. <laughs> No, you haven't won over yet. And it's because I think it's because I like you so much. But uh, I will she's, yeah, give, she's skeptical. 
I will give you a hint. She trained with Nas. That tells oh, you. Oh well, then if she trained with Nas, then uh, she, she's a lost cause. <laughs> now Nas is also entered into the parenting thing. So are you? Yeah. Get, are you watching him with the parenting and seeing how he's navigating it? Or yeah, for sure. He um we we still talk uh you know every uh every day or so we are we're texting and um. Yeah, he's had fun. He's he's really enjoying it, and uh, we're in similar situations. He has family close as well that is super supportive. Um, but yeah, I'm getting the whole rundown from him. He's he gave me a bunch of diapers, which was very nice. Ooh, yeah. uh, that his his son had grown out of already. So we got a head start in the diaper department thanks to Nas. Yeah, definitely get diapers and wipes. That's probably forget about anything else. Really, diapers and wipes are like the main thing, <laughs> main thing because they'll run through diapers and always get a um. A burp cloth, one of those cloths. So when you're changing the diaper, put it over the top of it so you don't get peed on. Oh, that's smart. Yes. And definitely don't open your mouth when you're changing a diaper. <laughs> Maybe I'll just wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Face covers that the people at the grocery store are wearing. I'll, I'll just start wearing one of those. Yeah, I've never had that happen because, of course, I had girls, but my sister had boys, and it happened to her one time, and she said she had to learn one time, and that was it. She was yeah. Like, okay, now I know the tricks. I'll write that one down. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to share? No, I don't think so. I um, Again, I really appreciate you having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about this, and I hope that people uh, feel a little bit more comfortable uh, talking about these issues, whether it's LGBTQ issues or racial justice, whatever it is. Um, just know that, you know, it, it, everyone is starting from the same place, right? We all have to educate ourselves and we all have to learn. Um, so if your excuse is that you don't know enough, um, then go, go learn more. That's all it takes is, is really just that decision to, to begin learning. And I think people hear the word activism and they get very intimidated and they think, Oh, I'm not an activist, but all it takes to be an activist is, is, you know, to act and, and learning is an act. Um, so I hope that people feel more comfortable surrounding these issues. And, uh, I hope that people will go out and continue to, you know, speak with their circles and their social circles. Um, I think the biggest thing for me when I started playing for pride was I was shocked at how willing people were to help when given the opportunity. Right. So I think a lot of people want to help, they want to get involved and, uh, they don't always know how. Um, mm -hmm. so giving people an opportunity and creating a door for people to walk through, uh, can be a really powerful thing. So if, if you do feel a little bit more comfortable around these issues and, and, you feel like you have learned enough, uh, I would encourage you to create that doorway for other people to walk through in, in the same way that you did. Um, so yeah, that, that would kind of be my, my closing message. And obviously would love for uh, people to donate to Playing for Pride, which you can do uh, if you go to at Playing for Pride on Twitter. Um, oh yeah, I see you through the, the link up there at the bottom. But yeah, if you, if you go to at Playing for Pride on Twitter or on Instagram, uh, you can get the link to the donation page there and um, hopefully people will do that. Check it out. Check out the cause. Check out the players that are involved. And um, if that's not one for you, go find something else to get involved in. Just just do something. Don't do nothing. Yeah, that's true. And have a conversation with someone that's different. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Sit down and have a conversation with someone in the LGBTQ community. See, I got tongue tied there. Um, community to sit down and see what their life is really like. Because then you realize it's not really that much different than ours. No, not at all. They're people. And that's at the end of the day, I think that's the message that trying to convey to everyone is, is um, spreading that humanity, you know, uh, just making sure people understand that we're all, we're dealing with human beings. These are people that are facing discrimination and injustice um, based on no faults of their own. It's just the way, you know, the way they are, the, the, the people that they are um and facing discrimination and injustice based on who you are is is not acceptable no matter what your reasoning or justification might be um it's it's just not acceptable so yes having conversations and and understanding those differences and and not ignoring them or, or not you know not acknowledging them isn't the answer but acknowledging the differences and accepting them i think is is the key now i will have a question i just thought about um one of my daughters has a lot of gay friends that are in the Asian community and some that are in the Spanish and Hispanic community. And they're like, they're very hard for them to come out to their parents because they've come out to their friends, but not their parents because of that stigma that they have, that culture has. Now I know you're part Hispanic. So was there a stigma there or? Um, not with my immediate family. No, I think my parents um, have always been incredibly supportive. Um, of my brother and and I think when he did uh, come out, it was just messages of love and support and and um, so that stigma didn't exist really in in my immediate family. But I think I do understand um, when when people deal with that. I think it's incredibly difficult, and I think that's why uh, more and more people, you know, in their social circles or you know wherever it may be, need to show support and be vocal about it, right? It's it's not enough to to just have it in your head that you accept everyone, that you believe in equality. Um, this is where saying it out loud comes into play. Uh, you know, when people feel like they can't be themselves to their own families, they those are the types of people that, that need that vocal support. So, whether or not you feel like you can make a difference, uh, I can almost guarantee that you are. When when you speak up and when you're vocal, uh, people who need to hear it, hear it. Um, and I think that's sort of the power of playing for pride is having so many professional athletes in, in communities all across the country saying these things out loud um, so that members of the LGBTQ community can hear them um, and hear that support uh, when they maybe might not be getting it from home, might not be getting it from their social circles. They can get it from people that they look to look up to. Um, and I think that means a lot. And, and it means a lot all the way down from, from professional athletes all the way to, you know, people in your day-to-day -day life. Um, just small things like that can, can really change how people live their lives. That's true, because, I mean, some of the ones that we brought to the soccer game, some of the, the guys and girls have come out to our daughters and us, but not to everyone else, not especially not to their parents. And I just feel for their parents. I, know, I feel for the kids because you want their parents, you know, you want them to be proud of you and you want them to be accepting of you. And when they got to hide part of themselves, it's hard. Yeah, I can't I can't imagine if you can't be yourself around your own family, um, 
you can never really be yourself. I, I would imagine that it's just a, a cloud constantly hanging over you. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's just a gradual process, right? The fact that, that your daughter has friends that feel comfortable being themselves around you, um, whereas before they might not have had anyone that they mm -hmm. could be themselves around. So giving people that outlet and creating that space for people to be themselves is huge because it, it may be that in between step, you know, where they first come out to you and, and their friends and then eventually work up the courage or whatever it takes to, to create that bridge to their families as well. So, uh, again, it's just a, a constant process and, and all you can do is, is create that space where people feel safe and comfortable being themselves. Um, it's, it's so, so important. Yes. I want to thank you for, um, being on and actually before, we end this broadcast. I want you to hang on after I end it because I want to give you the tour of the blog cabins. If you haven't <laughs> okay. seen it, <laughs> so most people actually just jump off. So I want to make sure you don't jump off so you can see the whole thing. So Let's do I, it. Really, I really want to thank you so much for joining me and agreeing to do it too. I mean, I know there was a couple of days where like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because I've been booked. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is like, I never yeah, thought it's great. About this. So. It's awesome. Yeah. And I know that I have, I'm not always the easiest uh, to track down. I've got a, like I said, a little bit going on right now, but I'm always happy to, to connect and, and again, have conversations like this, I think are, are super important. So thank you for giving me the platform and, and uh, hopefully your, your viewers and listeners uh, get something out of it. Yeah. Cause I actually turned these into YouTube. So if you want to share on YouTube and to a podcast as well. So awesome. So reach more listeners that way. So I want to yes, thank you absolutely. Austin for joining. You can follow playing for pride on Twitter at playing for pride or on Instagram at playing for pride. Also, you can follow Austin and learn how really he is really into social injustice on Twitter at Austin Deleuze. And then you, I'm going to actually put in the show notes, the playing for pride link where you can donate. And that runs awesome. until what, when Austin, um, so the campaign officially is in the month of June, which is pride month, obviously, but, um, we usually keep the, the fundraising aspect open a little bit longer just to give people time to, to get those donations in and, and to spread as much love as we can. All right. Well, thank you so much, Austin. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your day. See you back soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Austin. Austin was one of the first people I stepped out of my comfort zone to interview on my blog, AdventuresOfFrugalMom.com. And since then, I've enjoyed watching him play, and I know he's going to rock the dad thing. Now it's my turn to ask for your help. I'm planning a special episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin where the tables are turned and I have to answer the questions. So I really need you to send me your questions. So if there's anything you'd like to know about me, Send them to adventuresfrugalmom at gmail.com. Or you can drop by my Facebook page, Adventures of Frugal Mom. Or Instagram, at Frugal Mom, or at Chats from the Blog Cabin, because Chats from the Blog Cabin now have a Instagram. And just drop your questions. I hope you have enjoyed listening to these chats. And if there are any topics you would like me to cover, please let me know. And remember, I have turned these chats from the blog cabinet to not only this podcast, but also to Facebook Lives and 
interviews on YouTube. So if you want to see the face behind the voice, you want to check those out. Thank you for being part of the Chats in the Blog Cabin family and podcast. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a review. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Remember, be blessed and let's keep chatting.